Today's daf is Ksubas daf nun beis, and we are two lines from the bottom of daf nun alaf on the beis. Upa kohenes ahadrinach lemedinaser. So the Mishnah daf nun alaf on alaf began its discussion of the Tanai Ksuba. So the fourth parak of Masechtes Ksuba starts getting into the halachas of Ksuba, as the name of the Masechtes implies. So you know the halachas of Ksuba would be discussed in Masechtes Ksuba, and it really starts kicking in here in the fourth parak. And specifically, the Mishnah Daf Manalef Manalef got involved in the Tnoi Ksuba. So the first Tnoi Ksuba that was mentioned in the Mishnah was Ubikoyhenes. Uh, a married woman who is captured, so she's taken into captivity. So one of the things is, is that her husband is obligated to pay money, any ransom necessary, in order to redeem her. Now, if you look at the Loshen HaMishnah, which is the Loshen of the Tanai Ksuba, so the Mishnah said that in the event that he was a Yisrael, so that his wife was an Eshes Yisrael, so then the obligation is for him to redeem his wife from captivity, and as the Loshen HaKsuba says, and to take his wife back to him as a wife, meaning he has to continue to live with her as husband and wife. In the event that he's a Kayan, so then the halach is different, because a Kayan is not allowed to marry a Shvuya. Once she's taken into captivity, he's not allowed to take her back as a wife. So the Lashon HaKsuba emphasizes that, and the Ksuba says, I'm going to return you back to your country, back to where you came from. But either way, he's not going to be married to her because halachically, he would not be allowed to marry her at that point. So because of this nuance in the Lashon HaKsuba between a Yisrael whose wife was taken into captivity and a Koyan whose wife was taken into captivity, you will see in the Gemara now, the, the Amiram believed that there were nafkeminas lahalacha, other nafkeminas lahalacha. Amr Abaya, Abaya said, Amonah l'Koyan Gadol, Koyan Gadol marries an Amonah. Now, Koyan Gadol is not allowed to marry an Amonah. It's a loisa, say, for a Koyan Gadol to marry an Amonah. But in the event that he married an Amonah, the Kedushin would be Teufis. So they're married, and being that they're married, he has certain obligations of Ksuba. So one of the obligations Abaya said of Ksuba that he has is Chayev Luftoisa. If she was taken into captivity, he would be obligated to redeem her. Sha'ani Koyreba, and the reason is because he can't fulfill, this Koyin Godel can't fulfill the text of the Ksuba that says, Ubikoyhenes Ahadrinach Limedinosech. However, Mamzeres Vinesina Yisrael, or Yisrael, someone who's not a Kohen who marries either Mamzeres Vinesina, in a Chayel of Toysa, he would not be obligated to marry his wife, who's a Mamzeres Vinesina, who's a Chayel Lav, and that he was not allowed to marry. The reason is, because he could not fulfill what it says in his Ksuba, which is that when I redeem my wife, I'm going to remain married to her. So again, we mentioned that there's a, a nuance in the language of the Ksuba between the Koyin's Ksuba and the Yisrael's Ksuba. What exactly happens after the husband redeems his wife from captivity? The Yisrael who redeems his wife marries his wife because he's allowed to marry a Shvuya. So therefore, what it says in the Ksuba is, I will redeem you, and I will continue to be married to you. The Koyin is not allowed to marry Yashvuya. So when the Koyin redeems his wife, the Ksuba says, I'm going to marry you, I'm going to redeem you, and So it's for that reason, said Abaya, very gishmaka, nafkemina lahalocha between a Koyin and Yisrael. What happens if either a Koyin or Yisrael, a man marries someone that he's not allowed to be married to? He marries a Chayvi Lavin. So the Kedushan was Teufus. Does he have the Chayuvik Suba, or does he not have the Chayuvik Suba? So with regards to this particular Tanakh Suba, that's the discussion of the Zugya, if he was a Koyin, 
So his obligation is not to marry his wife after he redeems her, but rather to send her back to her father's house. So why can't the Kohen Gadol do that? Let him redeem his wife, that's the Amona. You'll tell me he's not allowed to live with her. He's anyways not allowed to live with her at this point because she's a Shvuya. What is his obligation? Redeem her and send her home. Okay, so redeem her and send her home. But the Mamzeris and the Nesina Yisrael, the Yisrael whose Ksuba says that when he redeems his wife, he's going to stay married to his wife. He's allowed to redeem a woman and remain married to her because a shvuya, even if she was becheskas nivala, even if she was an anusa, Yisrael is not usher to marry an ishes ish that was nensa. So his tonight super says, redeem your wife and live with her. So a mamzeris and esina, who he's not allowed to live with, so maybe he would have no choice. But to he wouldn't be able to live with her. If he wouldn't be able to live with her, he can't be Makaim the Tanaik Zuba. If he can't be Matanaim Tanaik Zuba, then he has no obligation to redeem her. Sabaya said a very Gishmak enough Gemino. Just like the Koyan is obligated to always redeem his wife, despite the fact that he can't live with her because she's a Shvuya, still we say, go redeem her. So so to here, why should this be any different? Rava Marava argued. Rava said, Kosha is a It's true that every time a Koyan would redeem his wife from captivity, she would be ushered to him, and therefore his Obligation would not to live with her, not to be would not be to live with her, but rather Adrina to send her home. So based on that, you want to argue maybe even if she's a chayve lav and you should have the same obligation. It doesn't work that way. If it's the shvi itself, it's the captivity itself that caused the isra. But if she was also for some other reason, like she was an amon and he was a kohen gadol, then any chayv then he wouldn't be obligated. In other words, we have a machlokes on meiram and rava whether a koyen. Or Kangadal, who's married to a Chayvi Lavin, does he have a Chiyuv to redeem his wife? Is that part of the Tanaik Suba? That Tanaik Suba, is that in effect, or is that not in effect? According to Abaya, it is in effect, and according to Rava, it's not in effect. Says the Gemara, perhaps this Machlik is Amirava, Rava is really a Machlik is Tanam. Which Machlik is Tanam? A Mishnah in Perik Hamadr. Hamadr is Ishtoi. If somebody makes a Neder, that his wife can't have any Anna from him, so the Allah is, this man has to give his wife a get, he has to give her a Ksuba. How could she live with him if he made a nether that she can't have any enough from? So he's obligated to divorce his wife. So it says the Mishnah Hamadras Ishtoivinish biz. What happens if he made the nether? He didn't divorce her yet, and then she became Shvuya. Rebeleza says, Poida, he has to redeem her. And he also has to give her a ksuba. He has to give her a ksuba. However, he doesn't have to redeem her. Says the Gemara, Amr Abnasan, Rabnasan said, Shalti is Sumchis, I ask Sumchis, Kishamar Abishu, Nusin Laksuba Venepoidim. Where Abishua says that a man who makes a nether that his wife can't have any enough from him, he no longer has his obligation, his husband's obligation, to redeem his wife in the event that she's taken into captivity. Is it only if first he made the nether and then afterwards she was taken into captivity? Or is it true even if first she was taken as a Shvuya and then afterwards he made the nether, which would be a much bigger Chiddush, because in that case, any time a woman is taken into captivity, he's going to say, you know what, I'm making a nether, you can't have any enough from me, and boom, he's done, he doesn't have to deal with it anymore. He'll absolve himself of that here, but on my way, so, Reb Nos, Reb Yish- so Sumchis told Rav Nassim, I don't know. V'nir in Tvarim, however, Rav Nassim says, I believe Shadir B'Saif Nishmas. Rav Shul must have said his halacha only when first he made the nether. Because if it's true, even when first she was taken into captivity, then afterwards he made the nether. So you're opening yourself up for a situation. It'll be very easy for someone to get out of his chiv of redeeming his wife. His wife will be taken into captivity. They're going to want a ransom that's going to be more money that he's interested in spending. So forget it. He's 
he's just going to make a nether and get himself out of the chiv. So it makes sense that it would happen the other way. But either way, we have a machoikis tanoim. Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Yeshua, whether a man who made a nether, that his wife cannot have any hanav from him, then she was taken into captivity. Is he obligated to redeem her, which is ordinarily one of the tanksuba? Or do we say that since husband and wife cannot live together at this point because he made a nether that she won't have any enough from him. The halach and shulchan aruch is go divorce your wife. So for such a marriage where the halach is that you have to give a get to your wife, maybe there is no chiyav to redeem her. Says the girl, what's the machlekes? What would you think is the beer in the machlekes says the Gemara, I'll tell you what I think it is. My lab and madarish is going to come We're talking about a koyin who ordinarily is anyways not allowed to live with his wife after he captures her after he redeems her from captivity because he's just shvuya and a client's not allowed to marry a shvuya. But over here, when he takes her back, she'll be also not only because she's a shvuya, but because of the nether that he made. And the question is, is do you say that he still has a chiyov to redeem her or not? In other words, the machlik is a bayi Being mother, your wife, is no different in this sugya than a mother of In both cases, after you redeem her, you're usher to her, but it's not mach mashviya. Zabayo, that said that an mother of he'll be shittas rebeliezer, that says a mother is ishtoi, so the halacha is chayev luftoisa. Verovo, that said that the only time a koyin is obligated to redeem his wife, despite the fact that he's not going to live with her, is only if it was the iser shviya that was goyrim law. But an iser davaracha, such as there, he would not be obligated to redeem us. So too, that sheet is Rabbi Yeshua. The Rabbi Yeshua said, you're not obligated. So it seemed to be that that is the Machlaikis. It says the Gemara, it's not Muchach, it's not clear that that's the Machlaikis, but can we suggest that the Machlaikis of Ayyavarov is really Machlaikis Tanam, Machlaikis Rabbi Yezer, Rabbi Yeshua, the Gemara says, Loy, a whole different territory, what the Machlaikis might be. We're talking about a uh, an entirely different case, where not he made the nether that she can't have any enough from him, but rather she made a nether that she won't have any enough from her husband. And rather than the husband being made for the nether, repealing the nether so that husband and wife can live together, he decided to the contrary, the Kayim law. He said, no problem, no worries. That's what you want? You're going to get... Your wish is my command. And he was Mekayim the Neder. Rebeliezer, Sof Rebeliezer holds, who knows, and that's Ben Shinel. He's considered the instigator over here, being that he was Mekayim the Neder. He had an option to be made for the Neder. He wasn't, and said he was Mekayim the Neder. So therefore, he bears some responsibility. Therefore, you're Mekhuyiv to be paid to your wife, just like any man is Mekhuyiv to be paid to his wife. Rebeliezer, Sof Rebeliezer says, he now spends Ben Shinel. No, she's the one that caused the issues over here. And therefore, it's for that reason that he no longer has an obligation to redeem his wife. But the Gemara asks, It can't be that's the case. can't be the Machlikis Rebbe Lezer Yeshua was talking about when she made the nether because the Mishnah stated clearly that he's obligated to give ksuba. And to the extent that she made the nether, she wouldn't get ksuba. The only time a madras sishtoi has to give his wife ksuba is if he's the one that made the nether, you can't have a no from me. I now have to give you a get. And I have to give you ksuba, but if she makes the nether, I don't want to have enough from my husband, then why does he have to give her a ksuba? The suah, not just that. Om Reb Nassim, Reb Nassim said, when he heard Rabbi Shua's halacha, Sha'alti is sumchis. He asked sumchis, we just spoke, just, the Gemara just mentioned this. Kishom Rabbi Shua, no, it's like ksubasa, ve'ine paida. Kshidir, was nishpis, was it only when the nether was made first? Oy, bishin nishpis, was levedira. Even if he made the nether after she was a shfuya. Va'amar, and sumchis said, lo yishamati. Asks the Gemara, v'ita nadri'i, if the case was where he never made the nether, it's when she made the nether, then mali hadir, the basaif nishpis, mali nishpis, the basaif hadir, then who cares if the nether was made first or if the nether was made after? There's no 
Shaila of Harama over here, the Harama would be that he would make the nether, but she's the one that made the nether. So there's no question of Harama here. So from the Mishnah, it's clear that we're not talking about a woman who made a nether, but rather we're talking about a man who made a nether. So if we have a Machlikis, Rebbe Leazar, Rebbe Yeshua, when a man makes a nether, he's Madras Ishtoi, whether afterwards he's obligated to be paid to her or not, we're trying to understand what the Machlikis, Rebbe Leazar, Rebbe Yeshua might be. So says the Gemara again, going back to what it originally thought, Lema, perhaps the Machlikis is a Baibarava. We're talking about Koyen who anyways is not allowed to live with his wife after he redeems her. So the fact that he made a nether, he can't have enough from his wife, maybe that's not a reason to say that you're not mechuyiv to be paid to her, because anyways, you wouldn't be mechuyiv to be, you wouldn't be able to live with her, and still you have a chiv to be paid to her. The question is, being that the reason you can't live with her is not machmashviya, so do you say that I'm therefore oblig- not obligated to be paid to her? No, I am obligated to be paid to her. That was a machlik zabayvirov, and the Gemara says it would seem that maybe that's the machlik is rebel as Rabbi Shua. But the Gemara says, no. I'll tell you, you're right. It's clear that he's the one who made the neder. However, it's not muchach that the Machlikis, Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Yeshua, is Abayi Verovo, meaning Abayi could really hold like Rabbi Yeshua, and Rovo could really hold like Rabbi Lezer. Abayi can learn the Mishnah, where both Tanoam hold like him, and Rovo could learn the Mishnah, where both Tanoam hold like him. Abayi is going to learn the Mishnah, where both Tanoam hold like him. And maybe everybody holds Chayav Leftoisa. Why? Because, what's the issue? The Kohen Gadol is not going to be able to marry the Ammona after he redeems her. So, what? The Koyin's never allowed to be married to his wife after he redeems her and still he has a chiv to send her home. So let the Koyin Gadol send her home. Like Abayi said, a Yisrael who was married to a Chayvi Lavin, everybody would agree, he's not Chayv to be paid to her. Why not? Because uh, Ksuba of Yisrael says, you're going to redeem your wife and live with her. He's not allowed to live with her. And a Koyin who made a neder to his wife, the Allah would be the same. That he would be obligated to be paid to her. Because just like a Koyin Gadol is obligated to be paid to an Ammon, despite the fact that he can't live with her, and despite the fact the reason he can't live with her is not Mach Mashviyah, a Mader Ishtoi, when she's when he's a coin would have the same aloch. Machlikis would be when he is made the nether to his wife. And what's the machlikis Rebelezer and Bishua Rebelezer Rebelezer says, let's look at the status they had when they got married. When they got married, they were regular husband and wife. So being that they were regular husband and wife, the Ksuba at the time said that you'll redeem her and you'll be married as husband and wife at that point. If he, she would have been taken into captivity and he would have redeemed her, they would be able to live like husband and wife. So even though later something changed. What changed? He made a nether that says they can't live together. We don't look at what happened later. We look at Basam Eikar. What happened at the time that the Ksuba was written? At the time that the Ksuba was written, you were able to be Mekayim the Tanakh Ksuba. So there's no reason that you shouldn't be Chayav Leftoisa. Rabbi Shua is a Basam Eikar. Rabbi Shua says, very nice. At the time of the Kriya's Ksuba under the Chopo, you could have been Mekayim that Tanakh Ksuba, but it changed. Right now you can't live anymore together. If you can't live anymore together, the Ksuba states clearly, I'll redeem you. And live together with you. So that's not possible anymore. Rava Matarazatame, Rava can learn the Mishnah, meaning both Rebbe Lez and Rabbi Yeshua, that will hold like him. How so? Mamzeris for this new single role, everybody holds was any chayav leftois. And Rav Ashitu was it even Amonul Kohen Gadol also any chayav leftois. So why not? Because he can't live with her. I every time a Kohen redeems his wife from captivity, he can't live with her, and still he has an obligation to send her home. But there, the reason he can't live with her is machmas shvia. That was Rav Asfara. Keep ligi. What is the machlekes? Bemader bein eishes Kohen ubein eishes Israel. Machlekes is where somebody made a neder to his wife. You can't have enough for me. Whether he was a Kohen. 
whether it was the Yisrael, Rebeliezer, also Basim Mikar, the same Achalai, because Rebeliezer says, you go Basim Mikar, being at the time of the Chassan, they were able to live together, the Tanaik Suba could have been a sky, and so therefore, Chayav Laftoisa, Rebeshua Sava, also Basim Mikar, Rebeshua says, we look at right now, being that right now they can't live together, so right now, the Allah is that you're not going to be Chayav Laftoisa. In other words, what the Gemara is saying is, is that there's Machloikas about the Rava, there's Machloikas about Yeshua, the two Machloikas are not necessarily Tali Zebazet. Machloikas about the Rava is a Koyen who is obligated to redeem his wife despite the fact that he's not allowed to live with her. Is that mean that any coin that's not allowed to live with his wife for whatever reason, such as he's a coin Godel, she's an Almana, there's a Chavi Lavin situation, still you're obligated to redeem her? Or maybe Dafka, if the reason you can't live with her is Machmas the Shvi itself, then you're obligated to redeem her. But otherwise not. That was the Machlikas of Ayavirov. What's the Machlikas of Rebbe Rabbi Shua? Machlikas of Rebbe Shua was something else. Machlikas was where you had a husband and wife who at the time that they got married, at the time the Ksuba was written, they were able to live together in husband and wife. Something changed later. What changed? For example, the husband made a nether, his wife can't have any enough from him. As a result, they no longer can live as husband and wife. Then she was taken into captivity. Are you obligated to redeem her or not? You go bust a maid. Do you go bust a little safe? That was the Machloikis, Rabbi Yezin, Rabbi Yeshua. Nishpis Chayv The Gemara continues, resumes its discussion of the different Tanaik Suba. So maybe just before the Gemara resumes, a little bit of a, an intro. We could have spoken this out at the beginning of today's daf. Really, more appropriately, it would have been the beginning of yesterday's daf. But so we're learning through the different obligations that a husband has to his wife based on the halachas of Tanaik Suba. So the Rambams in Hilchas Ishus. Perik Yud Bey is right at the beginning. Says the Rambam as follows: Kishenoisa Adam Isha, Bein Besula, Bein Beula, Bein Gedayla, Bein Ketana, Achas Pas Yisrael, VeAchas Agiyores, Oya Meshuchreres. So man marries woman. It doesn't matter what the what type of man. What type of woman, if it's a Jewish man and a Jewish woman, the halach is Yischayiv law ba'asor dvarim. Marriage comes along with ten obligations. Yeshayim a lot more. But certainly ten medivrei chazal. The yiskeb arbotvarim. And it comes with four schosim. Clearly, it's not an equilibrium. Says the Rambam, halach beis. Vasora, if you take the ten obligations that a husband has to his wife, you can break into two subcategories. Shloish shemein minatayr, three of them are chiyuve deiraisa, the Eluhain, and these are the three, She'era Ksusa Vainasa. It's a Pasik in Parashas Mishpat, and we talked about it on Sunday. In the parish of Yehud, says the Rabbi, what are these three things? She'era Elu Mezaynoisea. Ksusa Kimashma, that's easy. And Oynasa, Lovayalak, Kedar Kalaretz, that's Tashmish. So three are Chiyuvede Rais. Incidentally, the Rabbi Paskins clearly that the obligation that a husband has to support his wife is a Chiyuvede Raisa. By the way, we didn't get a chance to speak this out two days ago, but regarding the sugya of a father being obligated to support his daughter, so it was a takonas usha, the Gemara said, and the Rambam paskin that way. The Rambam says that up until a child is six years old, you're obligated to support your child. Once the child turns six, there's no chiv anymore. That was the Gemara and Afnunam and Aleph. That's what the Brikiyas have said. Maybe that's why people weren't so nizer in giving stucco, my six of him, because they felt that they're supporting their children. And if you're not obligated to support your children, then Mimela, you're being Makayim and Mitzvah stucco when you support your children. So that's the three. The big three, Sherksus Fa'ina, those, the Rabbin Paskins are Chiyuve de Raisa. Then there are another seven that are not Chiyuve de Raisa, but rather they're only Medivere Saifim. The Kulon Tanai Bezdenheim. They 
all have the power of a Tanai Bezin. So what are these seven? The first one is Ikir Ksuba, the obligation to give Ksuba. This is a, another place where the Rambam clearly states that the Chi of Ksuba, the Masayim Zuz that Absula gets, and the Mona that an Amona gets, is a Chi of the Rabbana, it's not a Chi of the Raisa. The Hashar, the other six, Heiman Nikron Tanai Ksuba, they're called Tanai Ksuba, the Elohein. Lira Faisa Im Make sure that she is healed to provide for medical care in the event that she becomes sick. Sick. To redeem her in the event post ransom, in the event that she becomes she's captured. The barrier if she dies. So that after he dies, to make sure that his estate provides for her so that she should continue to be able to be supported. So that his daughters, her daughters, should be supported from the estate as well. So his sons are going to yashin him, but his daughters that he had from his wife should be supported. Says the Ramam What about the four things that he's zoichin? Those are all midrabana. Meaning, midrabana doesn't get anything. Midrabana, he has three obligations, gets nothing in exchange. The Rabbana added on another seven obligations, but they gave him four things in return. Now, what are that? Number one, he keeps her Maisiyadayim. She earns income. Goes straight to him. So if she finds a mitzia, if she has an elu mitzias shaloi, so then he's actually the one that gets to keep it. He gets to eat all her peris nachsamiluk. And if she dies, Yerushena, he yarshins her. He comes before anybody else when it comes to Yerushena. Then the rabbin gets involved in more halachas, but this is the general introduction to these sugyas, and that is a husband has. 10 obligations to his wife, 3 midairaisa, 6 midirabana, one of the 6 the Rambam says is ksuba, one of the 3 that midairaisa is the chiv mezoinus, so those are uh, definitely highlights in these 10 of significant points that the Gemara discusses at length. As far as chusin that he has, Rambam says he has four schusim. What are his four schusim? Number one, he gets her maizidayim, he keeps her metzias, he gets the peiroiz. And if she dies, he yarshins the nadunya, he yarshins any nechzamalog that she brought into her marriage. So maybe we'll refer back to this Rambam at some other point, but for now, that's just a simple intro. So says the Gemara In the event that she was captured, he is obligated to take her out of captivity. Says the Gemara, In the event that she was taken into captivity while her husband was alive. And afterwards the husband died. So the question is, the Yarshim, are they obligated to now redeem this woman? Or are they not obligated to? So says the Gemara, If the husband was aware of the fact that she was taken into captivity while he was still alive, so I'm not sure at what point he becomes aware, but if he was aware at the time that he was, that, then Yarshim Chayv left Oysel. So then once he knew about it, now the Yarshim, Yarshim, this obligation, and they're obligated to redeem her. But if he was never aware of it, then Yarshim Chayv left Oysel, and the Yarshim is not obligated to redeem her. Levi once wanted a Pascha, like this Allah, he wanted to obligate the Yarshim to redeem their mother, or maybe their stepmother, from captivity, because of the fact that the father was alive at the time that she was taken into captivity, and he knew about it. So the Gemara says, Rav, Rav told Levi, this is what I heard from Chabibi. Who was Rav's Chabibi? 
his uncle Rabchia. Rabchia was un- Rav's uncle. Twice, from his mother and from his father. So Rav, who was Rabchia, who was Rav's uncle, said, Dalok is not like that, Brysa. Rather, what is Dalok? Elki held the tongue like the following, Brysa. A woman who was taken into captivity after her husband died. The Yesoyimim are not obligated to redeem her. Even if she was captured while her husband was alive, then the husband died. Even if he knew about it, the Brisa says, it doesn't matter. The Yisoyimim are never obligated to redeem their mother or stepmother from captivity. Why not? Again, because we darshan the Lashon Ksuba. That was the whole first sugya. What does it mean we darshan the Lashon What does the Ksuba say? That Yisrael, whose wife is taken into captivity, go redeem her and take her back as a wife. So if the father's not alive anymore, the husband's dead, then you can't be Mekayim, the Lashen Ksuba, Kipshutoi, which is Va'isfinechle into. So for that reason, the whole halacha gets thrown out the window. We don't apply the halacha at all. Nishbis, a woman who was taken into captivity. So they the captors want a ransom, right? They want him to come up with some money, the husband, if he wants his wife back. So how much money does he have to now put up in order to take his wife out of captivity? So Chachamim had a number. Up to 10 times what she's worth that he's obligated to do, but that's only Pam Rishon. That's only the first time. Afterwards, if he wants to be Poyder, he can. If he doesn't want to, no, no, it's fine. It's okay. Machleik is incidentally Rashi and Tosfos. What Rotsa Ene Poyda means? Rashi says, if you look at the last Rashi, it means his husband's only obligated to be played his wife once. More than once, you know what? That that's already not his problem anymore. Tosfos, no, that's not. Of course, that's not the pshat. We'll get back to this place in a moment. But Tosfos says a husband is obligated to redeem his wife even more than one time. So what does it mean? It means as far as paying 10 times what she's worth, that you're only obligated to do one time. But to pay up to her worth, for example, that you would be obligated to do even a second time. Shimon Gamliel, Shimon Gamliel says, No, you never to pay... Right, okay, so uh, that's already uh, subjective. No, there's a valuation. Let's say if you wanted to sell her as a shifcha, what, what would she be worth on the street? We had by the innocent of a father, you pay poishas of gam, so clearly... Uh, a woman, there was a, there was a price tag associated. Yeah, <laughs> future earnings. Yeah, <laughs> five times uh, projected earnings. So ain't paid them. Exactly. Shem gamli alayin there. Ain't paid them as hashvuyin yoiser al kedei demeim. Shem gamli says no. There's no halach of ten times what she's worth, but rather you're never obligated to pay more than what she's really worth. Mipnei tikun ha'olam. Because of Tikkun HaOlam. What, what's the Tikkun HaOlam? We don't want to incentivize people from kidnapping women, the wives of wealthy people, and then they're going to force them to come up with a lot of money. said, Although it would make sense, Pinyin Shvim, the Ramam talks about Pinyin Shvim, it's considered the biggest mitzvah that a person can do, right? There's Gemaras that talk about that. The biggest mitzvah that a person can do is Pinyin Shvim. And it's because the jails, once upon a time, were horrible places. They're still third world countries where if, if 
somebody were stuck Khalila in a jail there, it'd be a situation. So you can imagine what the jails must have been like in the times of Chazal, 1,500 years ago, 2,000 years ago. I'm sure it was a disaster. So it would make sense then that the mitzvah Pidyan Shvuyim would be an unbelievably incredible mitzvah. Still, said, Chavim said, no, you're not obligated to pay Yosef al It sounds like maybe they don't even want you to do it. But the Gemara says, from Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's language, it's clearly implied that to pay up to her value, pay that certainly you would do. Even if her value is worth more than her ksuba. The Gemara says, I have a steer to that. A woman that was captured, and they wanted up to ten times her ksuba. So, first time, you pay that if her value was up to the value of Iksuba, then you're paida in love, and if not, ain't a paida, then you're not obligated to be paida. So if it's steering Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, the first price of Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, ain't paida nasashfuyim yoyser al kidei demeyam. And in the second price that we have, where Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, that you're not paida a woman, yoyser mikineged ksubasa. So which one is it? Is it up to her value, or is it up to the value of Iksuba? Says the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, trey kuliyas later. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel holds two kulim. In other words, it's the lesser of. You're not obligated to pay more than her value, you're also not obligated to pay more than her ksuba. So let's say she's worth $1,000 and a is worth $500, so it's the lesser of the two. You're not going to be obligated to pay more than the $500. If it's the reverse, if she's worth $500 and a is worth $1,000, again, you're not going to be obligated to pay more than $500. It's Trey Cooley is... So we had a Gemara over here where the Gemara discusses whether one is obligated to be paid to his wife a second time or not. Is it only one time? Or do we say that if she is captured a second time and maybe a third time, there too we'd be obligated to be paid to her, right? The Gemara said that Pamri Shoino, you have to pay Adasar Bidamel. Mikan Ve'elach, Ratsa Paida, Ratsa Ene Paida. So Taisvis over here has a discussion based on a Gemara earlier, Dachman Zayan and Abbez, where the Gemara discussed <laughs> certain obligations that a husband has to his wife would be considered obligations that are matzui, and certain obligations that a husband has to his wife would be considered obligations that are not matzui. And Tosus makes this Gemara really totally in that sugya, because if you're only obligated to redeem your wife one time, that would mean that it's not so matzui, it's a one-time event. But if it's something that could happen multiple times, then that would already make it into matzui. But that's not what I want to shtalzachan. In the course of Tosus' discussion, Tosus gets involved in kvurasa, the husband's obligation to bury his wife, would that be considered an obligation that's matzoi, or would that not be considered an obligation that's matzoi? So Teisvi says an interesting thing. Teisvi says that kvur is chashiva matzoi, even though you only bury a person once, but still that's considered matzoi. Because women tend to die before men. And being that they tend to die before men, that women die before men. So therefore, it's matzoi that a husband would have to exercise his obligation to bury his wife, because chances are she's going to die before him. So if chances are she's going to die before him, that would make it into a Dover Matzoi. It's interesting, there's a Teisvis later in the Masech, on that Pegimelamidbeis, where Teisvis says that the Misa of a woman is Shechiach, could be the reason is, is because women used to often die in childbirth, and it's for that reason it was something that was considered shriach. I was thinking that Sunday we discussed Rabbeinu Tam's Takana Shum, the whole Gzeira Takana Rabbeinu Tam, that a, a woman who gets married and her father pledged a big nadin 
for his son-in-law, and then she died within the first year of her marriage. So although Adin, if the Shver gave the money already over to his son-in-law, the Allah is that the son-in-law is allowed to keep it, and, and just because he, his daughter, his wife, who's the Shver's daughter is not alive anymore. It doesn't necessarily mean the money goes back. But Rabbeinu Tam made a takana. He said that for the first year, the halacha is that she would have to give the money back. And it's clear that it was a big deal. Rabbeinu Tam said, Samachti, he was so happy with the takana that he made because he realized that he took away one of the, one of the psukim and the teichacha, the tam lurik echachem, and the, the giloy and the chaloim. Maybe that's why he was called Rabbeinu Tam because of the unbelievable takana that he made. He took away the gzera, the klola of the tam, that's why he was called Rabbeinu Tam. So it sounds like it was something that was very pertinent. Maybe the reason it was very pertinent was is because women often died in childbirth. It's a fact. You see that it's considered matzu that a husband would have to bury his wife. Toysvah says, why? So maybe that was, that was the magic maybe to a year or two years. Chances are she will become pregnant. And let's see what happens. If she makes, she dies in childbirth, that's already a double matzoi. So the shver is going to lose a lot of money in a very matzoi dig away. So that, Takana Rabbeinu Tam said, let's take away. I don't know, I'm not sure. But either way, you see, there was an idea that it was matzoi for a woman to die in childbirth. So it would make sense that it was a big deal once upon a time that a woman who dies within the first year or two of her marriage, the shver would be able to take his money back, the nada that he promised. You see, clearly it was, it was something of significance. I'll tell you over just one interesting Ebenezer. We spoke to that one. We learned Masech Tzivamis once. In Parshas Emmar, where the Torah mentions the Koyan is not allowed to be metama to a mace. However, to his Kroivim, he's allowed to be metama. Kim l'she'eri ha'karavelov. So who are the Kroivim? Seven Kroivim. Le'imayu le'aviv, le'vnayu le'vitayu le'achavu le'achosoy and to a wife. So those are the kravim that you're allowed to be metamato. The first kariv that's mentioned is imai, and the second one is aviv. Says the Ibn Ezra. Why is mother mentioned before father? So the Ibn Ezra says, The tam lahasker imai koydem aav. The reason the mother is mentioned before the father ki azocher chayyosem and a keva b'rayv because women usually die before the men. So it's for that reason it makes sense that imai will die before aviv, and that's why the Torah when it mentioned the kravim that a koyin is allowed to be in the tamatus, it mentioned first imai and then it mentioned aviv. Interesting. Zok to gemara vayter. So the next kenaik that was mentioned in the Mishnah was that a woman that becomes sick, her husband is obligated to. Provide so that she should have a refuah. A man who dies, leaves over an amana and money, the yarsh and his sons, yarsh and the money, and his amana and his daughters for that matter both get supported from the estate. Says the price of that an amana who needs refuah, she needs money to cover medical expenses, it's deemed like mezoinos, and the Yerushim are obligated to provide that to the amana. Refuah, it depends. Refuah, yeshla kitzvah. A refuah, that's a yeshla kitzvah, nisrapus miksubasa. So a refuah that has a set amount, it sounds like it's like a one-time event type refuah. So there the halach is that they're not obligated to provide that. But rather, that is deducted from her ksuba. She ain't lo kitzva, a refua that has no kitzva, rei kimazainis. Om Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon, it said, Asu akazas dam be'eretz Yisrael, ki refua she ain't lo kitzva, a woman that needs akazas dam, that's bloodletting, which was a very common form of refua back in the day. So in Eretz Yisrael, akazas dam is treated like a refua she ain't lo kitzva, and therefore the children are obligated to provide that to the Amana. Says the Gemara, a story. Rabbi Yechon had a relative who had 
a father whose wife had died. They yarshin their father's nechasim, and they were supporting their father's wife. She needed refua kol every single day. She always had another medical issue that she was dealing with. Also, they came to Rabbi Yechanan. They said that, you know, we're paying a lot of money for medical expenses. Is there anything you could do for us? Amulusi told him, I have an idea. Why don't you go find a doctor? This is concierge medicine. Give him a fixed dollar amount to support this, to provide medical care for this woman. Once we fix a dollar amount, it becomes refua sheyeshle kitzvah. If it has yeshle kitzvah at that point, so now you're going to be uh, off the hook. So instead of it being a, a random thing every time, let's just come up with a fixed dollar amount. You're going to pay $100 a month for her medical care. This is something that's very common today, especially in the, yeah, all right, we're not going to, What's that? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is something that's uh, up and coming. So go and provide a fixed dollar amount, and like this, it'll become a double like this. I'm Rabbi Yechanan. So after Rabbi Yechanan told this to his Karif, he had charata. He said, Asinu atzmenu adayanim. He says, I feel like I, I acted like an attorney. I mean, I was uh, a lawyer that gave, uh, I, I shouldn't have done that. So the Gemara says, What was he thinking? And then why did he have charata? So says the Gemara, First he thought, He felt that, He's, this is my relative, there's an obligation to look out for your relatives. If there's an obligation to look out for your relative, so I have to act like, uh, like an attorney. And then the Gemara says, and afterwards he realized, Adam Chashev Shani, I'm an Adam Chashev. And being that I'm an Adam Chashev, so schmecked a little bit that maybe there was some corruption over here. So it's for that reason, maybe I shouldn't have done what I did. It's just interesting. Ah, let's go back. So that's the Mishnah. So the previous Mishnah started mentioning the Tanaik Suba. Specifically, it mentioned that any of the Tanaik Suba that were not written in the Ksuba are still in effect. The Tanaik Suba doesn't have to be written in the Ksuba. It has an effect whether it is written or whether it's not written. Meaning, uh, husband and wife get married, they don't write a Ksuba. The husband is still obligated to pay the Ksuba. He's obligated to pay the Masai Mizuz if she's a Psula. He's obligated to pay the Mana if she's an Amana. Not just that, all the other Tanaik Suba, so that in the event that she gets captured, he will redeem her. Even if it wasn't written in the Ksuba, it doesn't matter. It's one of the ten Chiyuvim that a husband has to his wife. All those Chiyuvim are in effect whether they were written or they weren't written. So the Mishnah now is going to give a, a few examples of Tanaik Suba that are in effect whether or not they were written in the Ksuba. Says the Mishnah, Yes, sir, if you can read this Mishnah, you can get Kriya's Ksuba under the Chuppah. But either way, so if, let's say you didn't write in the Ksuba the Halacha of Ksuba Splendichrin. Again, what's the Halacha of Ksuba Splendichrin? A woman had Nechsemeluk, she died. Her husband Yarshin's the Nechsemeluk. It's important to know how this works for the Gemara. He then dies. What happens? Ordinarily, all his sons, Yarshin, his Nechassim. So if he had sons from five different wives, they're all <laughs> going to divide it equally. A son is a son is a son. That's the way it works when it comes to Yerusha. Said the Chachamim, Ksubas What does that mean? It's true that a husband Yarshin's his wife's Nechassim However, after he dies, rather than taking that Nechassim and dividing it equally amongst all his sons from all his different wives, that Money or those nechasim that he yarshin from his wife will go directly to the children that he had from that woman. The Gemara is going to explain why the chachamim made the takana, but that is ksubas bin So ksubas bin is a man dies, his sons yarshin. However, certain sons may yarshin certain nechasim. How so? Anything that the father got from his wife, the children he had from that respective wife will yarshin all those nechasim. That so that 
is one of the Tanai Ksuba, and even if it wasn't written in the Ksuba, like Kasavla, it wasn't written, still Chayev, Shiru Tanai Best, another Tanai Ksuba. Benon Nukfin, the Yahavin Lichimino, Yahavin Yasfin, the Basim Mitazim, and Echsiyad, the Tulkuchun, the Guvrin. So, uh, a man who didn't write in the Ksuba that my daughters should be supported from my estate after he dies, so a man dies, his son's Yashim, not his daughters. However, the daughters have to have Mezainos, they're supported from this. Let's say it wasn't written in the Ksuba, still Chayev, Shiru Tanai Best. At the Yasva Bebesi, you metazdam and actually call you may megram of Nusech, Bebesi Chayev, Shutanabezim. And the third Tanak Suba and final Tanak Suba that's mentioned in the Mishnah is that if he doesn't write that his Almono will be able to be Nizainus, mean actually you say him after he dies, if it wasn't written in the Ksuba, it doesn't matter, still he's Chayev because it's a Tanabezim. It says the Mishnah Kachoyo Anche Yerushalayim, Kaisvan, the Anche Yerushalayim used to write the aforementioned Nusech, Anche Galil, how you Kaisvan, Kanche Yerushalayim, the people who lived in Galil who often had different customs and the people living in Yerushalayim used to also write it that way. However, Anche Yehuda, they had a different Nusach. They used to write that the, a man, that the Yisraimim are only obligated to support the Almana until they give her the ksuba. However, in Ratsu Yarshin, if they want, they can give her a ksuba, and then they could send her away. They're not obligated to support her. So they're only obligated to support her because man, they don't pay up the ksuba. But to the extent that they pay, the, when does a woman get a ksuba? If either her husband dies or she's divorced. So what happens if the husband dies? So if she didn't collect the ksuba yet, then the Yisraelim are obligated to support this woman. But once they pay up the ksuba, at that point, they're not mechuyev anymore. Says the Gemara, Why would the Chachamim mesakim the halacha of ksubas b'nindichin? Says the Gemara, the reason is because we want that a father should give money to his daughters in the same way he will eventually give money to his sons. When's he going to give money to his sons? So, either when he's alive, but certainly after he dies, his children are going to yarshin him. What about the daughters? So the daughters are going to get mezainas. That's what they're going to get, lunch money. But they're not going to get more than that. The Chachamim weren't happy with that. That's what Rabbi Yechon said in the name of Rabbi Shem The Chachamim wanted that a man should give money to his daughter just like he gives to his son. What's the opportunity for a father to give money to his daughter? The Nadin. But a man would potentially be hesitant to write a big Nadin to his daughter. Why? Because what happens if his daughter dies? We just said it's Shriach, it's Matsui. So what happens if she dies? Her husband's going to yash in her. And then, when he dies, he's going to give it over to all his children that he may have. Again, this is in the pre Rabbeinu Gershom world. Her, his son-in-law's children may not be his grandchildren, so they're going to now be divided amongst all his different wives' kids. He's going to end up losing all this money. So that would disincentivize him from giving money to his son-in-law. So to make sure that a man would give money to his daughter just like he does to his son, we Chachamim said that in the event that the husband, the woman, that his daughter dies, at least the money will stay in the family. Because when the son-in-law dies after he yarshened his wife, the money will stay, will go to her children as opposed to his children. So the Gemara asks an interesting question. Gemara asks a kasha that, what do you say? We want that a father should give his nechassim to his daughter just like he does to his son. Gemara says, that's connected to the Torah. The Torah says that when a man dies, who yarshins him? His sons. What did you see from the Torah? Taira wanted the boys to have the money and not the girls. If the Taira wanted the girls to have the money too, the Taira would have said, divide it amongst all the children equally. Clearly, we want the boys to have some sort of preferential treatment. So how could the Chachamim now make a Takana to be Oikir at Davim and a Taira? It's a question that requires 
some beer, but uh, not for now. But that's the Gemara's kasha. So, and for the Gemara, um, right, asks the Gemara, um, ikomidi, does it make sense? The Rachmana, I'm a broad layer, is part of the So, Teres says, the son Shayaja, not the daughter. The Asr Rabban, Rabban, going to go ahead and masakti, make it a kind of the Teres Barta, that the girls should yashin, says the Gemara, nami de raiso. No, the fact that a father should give money to his daughter is something that has a makar in the Torah. It's a pasik in Sefer Yermio, where Yermio says as follows, take wives, have children, not just that, take wives for your sons, the Esbnaisechem Tunla Nashim and give your daughters over to men. So ask the Gemara as follows. I understand the idea that ha- take wives for your sons, meaning encourage your sons to go and get married. Because who's the initiator? Who proposes to who the man does to the woman? So it's something that's in the control of the man. What could a woman just go over to a man and propose to him? That's not usually the way it works. So it says the Gemara, what must Yirmiyo have meant, he probably meant as follows, he's telling the father, put your, position your daughters in a way that men will want to marry them. Meaning, make the, give them nice clothing so that they will dress well, they'll look good. And promise a big support, a big so that people will jump on them, they're going to want to marry them. So you see from here, already a makar to the concept of a nadin. So we have a makar in Sefer Mio to the idea of a father-in-law giving money to his respect to his prospective son-in-law so that people will be encouraged and incentivized to marry their daughter. Says Marvat Kamo, how much money is a man obligated to post as Nadin for his daughter? So here we have a number for this too. Abaya Virova, this is not ten times your net worth, but rather Abaya Virova Dami Travayu Adli Isunachsi, ten percent of what you're worth. The Ema the of Leiros, the Baal, Loi Leiros. The Gemara asks a good kasha. So now we understand the Allah of Ksubas Mendech. What was it all about? To incentivize men to be agreeable to give a nod. And if it stays in the family, they'll be incentivized. But the Allah of Ksubas Mendech doesn't only apply to money that she got from her father. It applies to all money that she had. So for example, let's say her Ksuba, which is something that she's entitled to, if her husband, Yarshin, her ksuba, let's say she died first, so the husband, Yarshin, is the ksuba, that is included in the ksuba's mendichin. So the question is, why should the ksuba be included in the ksuba's mendichin? The whole underlying svar of the ksuba's mendichin is to encourage the father. So why over here? So it says, the Gemara, if you're going to do that, if you're going to say that the halacha ksuba's mendichin only applies to what he's giving, but not to what the husband's giving, then the father may become disgruntled. Because he's going to feel that, why is it that what you're promising my wife's not necessarily staying in my family? That's not, he's not going to like that. We're trying to be very delicate with the sensitivity of the shver. So meaning the reason that the subas ben applies to what the husband gave the wife is to not is not to prevent the father from giving. So the Gemara says that maybe the only time Subhas bin Dikran should apply to what the husband gave the wife is when there's a father promising in the dunya. But let's say the father's not promising in the dunya for whatever reason. So maybe that halacha shouldn't apply. Says the Gemara, plug Rabbanon. No, there's a light plug. Once we say Subhas bin Dikran applies even to the Ksuba, even to the things that the husband obligated. So therefore it applies in all situations, even where the underlying Svara doesn't necessarily apply. Bas bin Habanim, Namiteris. Gemara asks another good kasha. The halacha 
ksubas mendechen. There's only the sons. But if, let's say, he only had daughters from this wife, then there's no halacha of ksubas mendechen. Why not? It's not a real halacha of Yerusha. It's a takonetz chachamim. So, Maybe the father will be disincentivized again from promising a nadir because he's going to say, what happens if my daughter gets married? All she has is girls. If all she has is girls, so then there's not going to be a lachik subas mendichrin. So again, says the Gemara, No, the Rabbanan, the gedder of subas mendichrin is that it works the way Yerusha works. And if it works the way Yerusha works, Yerusha, Abbas, doesn't yarshin b'mokim where there's bonim. So too, in this case, the lachik is going to be the same. What about Bas ben habonah's tears? Oh, so that. What happens if a man dies and all he has is daughters, then all the daughters are Yashin. So just because it's treated as Yerusha doesn't mean now that this daughter shouldn't be able to Yashin. Yet the halacha of Ksubas benin dichrin, benin dichrin, dichra is Aramaic for Zohar, a Dalit and Zion interchange from Lashon HaKodesh to Aramaic. So Ksubas benin dichrin is the Shorim. So daughters never have the rights of Ksubas benin dichrin. Why not? If it's Bas Ben Abonois, even if it's treated as Yerusha, as Yarshim, the daughter would Yarshim. Again, the Gemara says, like plug Rabbanon. Rabbanon made a play plug. They said that being that ordinarily there would be Bonim and Bonois, in that case, the Bonois wouldn't get anything because daughters don't Yarshim, the Makam, where there are sons. So like plug, daughters never have the schos of Ksubas Mendechen. Asks the Gemara, Vitigvi Mimetaltali, why do they only get from Karka? We had the Gemara earlier, Ksubas Mendechen is only been a Karka. But if a man dies and he left over only Metaltalin, the whole Allah of Ksubas Mendechen is thrown out the window. So asks the more again, the same kasha. The underlying svara of Ksubas Mendechen is not to disincentivize a father from giving a nedunya to his daughter. So then it should be true in all cases. Because again, the father will make the cheshben. I'm going to give a lot of money to my daughter. She may die. The husband's going to yarshen. Then he's going to die. He's going to only leave over metaltalin. He's going to have a huge business, but it's all metaltalin. So if he's going to have only metaltalin, there'll be no Ksubas Mendechen. Again, you're disincentivizing him from giving the nedunya. So the Gemara says, Ksuba Shavu Rabbanon. Rabbanon included the halacha of Ksubas Mendechen in the Ksuba. Right? What's it called? Ksubas Mendechen. So treat it like Ksuba. And just like Ksuba, you could only be goiva from Karka, so too, you can only be given from Karkas. It's true. Based on the Svar, you should be able to be given Metalton as well. But Lemaisa was treated as Ksuba. Asks the Gemara if it's treated like Ksuba, you should be able to tear off even from the Meshubadim. So the Gemara says, Yerson Tanan. Although it's treated as Ksuba, but also works like Yerusha. And Yerusha, you never can be tear from the Lekuchas. The aim of one final question, that the only time Ksuba's Mendichin applies is if there's going to be leftover money for the children to Yarshan. So let's say the man Yarshan from his wife $1,000. And then when he died, all he left over was $1,000. So if we're going to fulfill the Tanai Bezdin of Ksubas Mendechrin, the only sons that are going to Yarshan are the sons that came from this wife. All the other boys that he has aren't going to get anything. So then the Allah is you don't say Ksubas Mendechrin, but ask the Gemara why. Again, if Zilbas are Taima, why would the Chachamim Basak Ksubas Mendechrin to not disincentivize a father from promising in a dunya to his daughter, if that's the case, even if there was no Moise Dinar, there wasn't another dinar for all the other children to Yarshan. So, in that case, the Allah Ksubas and Dichon should apply as well. And for the Gemara, the Mokim, the Kamiyakim, Nachla, the Raisa, Loyta Kino Rabban, if there's going to be no leftover money for the rest of the family to divide, that means you're being Iker Hilchas Nachlois. That's not something we're going to do. So the Chachamim will. They were concerned. They wanted Ksubas and Dichon, but not at the expense of being Iker the entire Halacha of Hilchas Nachlois.